Hey, just a reminder that friend of the show and sketch card artist Ben Abusada is giving Rebel Base Card listeners 20% off sketch cards in his Etsy store. If you go to Etsy.com slash shop slash KSGeekman and use the code RebelBaseCard, you'll get 20% off of sketch cards. You can find the link in the show notes. All right, let's do the show. You found something. You found the Rebel Base Card Podcast. What a piece of junk. I'm your host, Greg McLaughlin. He's as clumsy as he is stupid. Join me as we discuss Star Wars trading cards and card collecting. We need a statement, not a manifesto. We'll talk about sets from the original vintage. No, no, the one I'm pointing to. All the way to current releases. This? Yes. All right, let's get started. Commence primary ignition. Welcome back, or if this is your first episode, welcome aboard. My name is Greg McLaughlin, and this is the Rebel Base Card Podcast. Great show for you tonight is my guest is Ted Dastic Jr., and he is a sketch card artist, has been so for quite some time, over 10 years, and it was kind of interesting to get his perspective of uh, doing it for so long. He's done sketch cards for Tops, Upper Deck, amongst other things, and his bio is pretty lengthy. But it was really get a chance to. It was really cool to get a chance to talk with him. Um, we'll get to that interview here in a few minutes. I just wanted to get some housekeeping out of the way. We do have the big, biggest news this week is we do have Triple Force Friday coming up. Uh, if you are hearing this before Friday, it's coming up. If not, uh, for us, the Journey to the Rise of Skywalker does come out on that day, along with just about a lot of other stuff. And that kind of gets us into the Star Wars season, you might say. Uh, it kind of kicks things off, and so I expect a flurry of activity on all the socials as far as news about Star Wars, upcoming trailers, talks about cards. I know we do have um, some other sets coming out this year, so this should kind of kick things off as well. And we do still have some great interviews to come up, a lot of people I'm tracking down. And one of the nice things about expanding the reach going into Twitter and Facebook is the fact I'm meeting more people, and Ted Dastic Jr. was sort of a consequence of getting the Facebook page up and running. So it's kind of nice that, you know, some people are not always on Instagram, they're on different social networks, and sometimes you get a tip on an interview just different ways, and so it's kind of nice to kind of broaden the spectrum of myself, that way I might be able to bring a lot more content to you. Um, I also want to say it's been very nice to reach out to a couple of podcasts. Um, I know we've talked uh, recently about the Marvel Card Collectors podcast, as well as Meanwhile at the podcast. It was really cool to get a shout-out on their podcast, and actually in the case of Meanwhile at the podcast, to be able to talk with Rodney Roberts, and you will be hearing that interview coming up in the weeks to come, as well as we'll probably have to put something together with the Marvel Card Collectors podcast, because I think uh, Ian Taylor and I are kind of on the same page when it's like we're kind of doing the same thing, uh, but we're just doing it with different genres, so at some point our paths are likely to cross. But that also brings up a question about podcast list in general. Now, there are a ton of Star Wars podcasts. I count myself amongst them. Uh, but if you are looking for some Star Wars content, especially now that we are into the Triple Force Friday season, here's just a quick list, and I've talked about these before, but they are worth mentioning because they're great podcasts. I'm going to talk about the Cantina Cast, Coffee with Kenobi, Beyond the Outer Rim, Star Wars Autograph News, The Star Wars Report, the Rule of Two podcast, Beyond the Blast Doors, Wampus Layers, 
those are in my podcast feeds, and those are just the ones off kind of the top of my head. Uh, there are a ton of others, and what I like about it is there's content for everybody. There's a lot of diversity out there as far as opinion and content. Uh, you know, Tarkin's top shelf for books, that kind of thing. So whatever your Star Wars bag is, or if it's just, you know, pop culture, you can find it. We are sort of in a golden age for podcasts. And like I said, I, I'm very fortunate that I can kind of count myself amongst these great podcasts farther down the line, but I want to say at least in the same vicinity at any rate. Ted Dastic Jr. once again is a uh, Star Wars sketch card artist and it was kind of nice to get a chance to talk with him. And once again, uh, as I talk to a lot of my guests about how they kind of get started and how they get into Star Wars, here's what he had to say. I was born in 78, so I just kind of missed the original movie coming out. Uh, but I know that when Return of the Jedi came out, I, I was four years old. And I, I can't remember knowing about star wars before that i might have had some of the toys i don't know but uh my mom took me to see return of the jedi in the theater uh and ended up doing it six times because <laughs> you know for two and a half hours she didn't have to worry about me getting in trouble or doing something crazy um and it just i absolutely fell in love with it like i said I, it was a very long time ago i don't remember it that well but i i do have a vivid memory of seeing Jabba the Hutt up on the screen. And honestly, I've always been into like monsters and creatures and stuff. So I think that's really probably what hooked me in. And uh, I, I've never looked back. Do you remember those Ewok movies for TV? Uh, I, I do remember watching them. I know I watched them. Can I tell you what happened in any of them? Nope. <laughs> The uh, that that's not saying anything against the films themselves. On their own level, they, they are fine. I just when someone comes into it at the Return of the Jedi level, and I think I, personally, I was about thirteen when Jedi came out. You know, mm -hmm. we're sort of at two different stages. I'm in junior high. You were sort of like get going into kindergarten, uh, yeah. as it were. So it's something where it's kind of hits that, and then there's this sort of this dry spell for Star Wars. And then mm -hmm. you have like these movies that come out. I think the Ewok movies come out around like, 85, 86. But then you know, there's yeah. a really long dry patch after that. If you can remember, when did you start drawing? Uh, way before I saw Star Wars. Uh, my dad, he pulled out. I had a drawing, I think when I was three years old, of some skeleton thing. Uh, actually, if you look on my Facebook, I posted it there a while ago. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I mean, I know you probably hear this from a lot of artists, but as long as I've been able to hold a pencil in my hand, I have been drawing. Did it seem to come easy or is it something I, I think a lot of people would say they just don't even think about it. They just draw like what they see. Is that, is that your situation? Yeah, that's pretty much, uh, where I fall. Um, I don't really have very good training in any kind of art stuff like I've always had a problem because, you know, like I said, I like drawing monsters, creatures and stuff like that. So, you know, my parents would send me to different uh, art classes and stuff when I was a kid. And, you know, they wanted me to take pastels and draw a barn or a clown. And it was just stuff that I was not into. And I kind of got this. I, that's weird being a kid. But I guess I got a little <laughs> chip on my shoulder that I didn't like people telling me what to draw. Um, so going up through school, like even through high school, I never took any art classes only because I, I had that weird feeling that, uh, they're just going to tell me what to draw. It's not going to be what I want to do. Um, so I, I really didn't have any kind of 
training until I, I hit the college level. Um, and I had some art classes and, you know, they went through all the color theories and all that stuff. So I, I definitely came in late to, um, a lot of what would be considered the important stuff, but yeah, anything I've been able to do, I, I've pretty much just done on my own. When you went through college, what did you, what did you attend for? Or what was your major? Well, um, I ended up with a, a degree in applied arts, uh, which kind of was a very generic degree. Uh, when I got to college, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I thought maybe I want to get into drafting or something because I knew there's money in that. Um, but then, you know, when it, when it came time to actually make the decision, I knew I didn't want to just draw or create straight lines and stuff. I wanted to do something a little more interesting. So I, I sort of took a broad um group of classes and I landed on, I had an advertising class that I just thought was so cool. Cause the thing with advertising is I, I love the fact that, you know, you put something together and when you put it out there, you know, that millions of people are seeing it. Maybe they don't like it, but at least they saw it. And I think it's really cool that you're able to, to touch a lot of people that way. So that's kind of where my career went. I ended up working um, in the advertising department of a company while I was in college and uh, I've been doing it ever since. I, I think that's somewhat similar to myself in that I think you find that there is this artistic output, but in some cases, you know, advertising um, can be a means to an end. In that you are, you see that here's what I'm doing, and I'm not just doing it. I'm, I'm actually this is my job, and mm -hmm. I think in that case, the advertising is sort of like in some cases the commercialism kind of is just what moves everything along, but there's still that, there's still that creation of, of something from nothing as it were. Yeah. And it's fun to know that, you know, things you're doing are kind of getting into people's psyche a little bit. So yeah, it's, uh, it's cool. And you know, when I'm doing the stuff like the cards and all that's, yes, I get to be creative in my day job. Um, it's very stressful and doing the, um, sketch cards and all the other artwork is kind of my, release at the end of the day where I get to just, you know, go a little crazy, crazier with it and not have to worry about, well, there's still deadlines, but you know, it's, it's not as pressing or looming as the, you know, the nine to five. Exactly. Now growing up, um, your, your, your bio reads a collector who likes to draw. What was it you liked to collect? Uh, well, even as far back as when I was a kid, uh, it was trading cards. I, I grew up with my dad he collected comic books and cards and stuff back in the 1960s and never gave it up. So growing up as a kid, my dad was basically a big kid that I grew up with. And, you know, he shared a lot of he had old uh, Outer Limits cards, Mars Attacks, all that stuff. And I, I grew up with all that. So when I was younger, I gravitated towards, you know, the more uh, non-sports stuff, really. And it was collecting a lot of, you know, um, movie card sets. So you had like the Back to the Future car, uh, 2 card sets, the Batman, the first Batman movies, right. um, Garbage Pail Kids. I, I can still remember <laughs> opening my very first pack of Garbage Pail Kids because it was just the craziest thing I'd ever seen. And, uh, you know, I, I kept with the non-sports for a while until around the late 80s when um, I found out that baseball cards were actually worth money. So uh, <laughs> I, I kind of shifted into that. And uh, fell in love with baseball and the uh, non-sport collecting, you know, kind of just went uh, went to the side a little bit. Very rarely did I pick up any non-sports stuff. And honestly, there wasn't really a whole lot out at that time. 
Um, you know, Star Wars, they had the galaxy sets in the early 90s. And, you know, I thought they were cool. And but I just I didn't bother chasing them. And uh, so I was really a, a baseball guy. And, you know, I tried a little bit football, basketball. I didn't really care about any other sports. It was baseball that hooked me. And then I think it was 2008, 2007, Tops put out the uh, the Star Wars 30th anniversary set that had just killer autographs. I mean, it had John right. Williams in it and everything. And uh, I don't remember where I heard about it. I guess in one of the Beckett's or some kind of publication. And uh, I remember going to the store. I grabbed the box because i thought it looked good it was like 50 bucks and uh that's when i learned about sketch cards because uh, i pulled a sketch card in my box it's funny it was actually a, a boba fett card by john watkins chow and um nice. you know I, of course when i got it first thing you do is you look online you see if it's worth anything you know that's <laughs> that's definitely the sports card mentality and uh you know i saw they were going for pretty good amounts of money so i figured what the heck I, you know i paid 50 bucks for the box i'll, I'll throw it up there and see what happens and uh, I ended up selling that card for two hundred fifty dollars. Wow, um, which is crazy. Uh, but at the same time, you know, I, I got the sketch card, and I said to myself, you know, that this is probably something I can do. Uh, so that really kind of hooked me back into non-sports. And tell you the truth, other than my one baseball player that I collect, I- I'm strictly non-sports now. Before that, what had you done? Uh, what had you done? non-work-wise as far as uh, your artwork and getting it getting it bought, sold, what have you? Yeah, um, not too much. Uh, I started, I really like Mad Magazine and cartooning and stuff like that. So I, I started to uh, try to create my own cartoon strips. Never really got real far with it. You know, I'd make stuff and send it out and get all the rejection letters. Uh, I did get some comics printed in a, uh, a minor league baseball publication, which was pretty cool. That's really like the first stuff I ever um, was able to uh, do, I guess, professionally on the, uh, the art side. Um, but yeah, I, I never really got into too much um, selling my stuff because, you know, I, I would draw and paint and stuff on my own, but I never really looked at it as something, you know, I really want to sell, make money at. It's just something I enjoy doing. So how did you get the, uh, how did you, if you can talk about it, how did you get your tops hookup when you decided you're like, hey, I want to try to do this? Well, I can tell you, um, back, uh, I guess this was the late 2000s, uh, there was, and I don't know if it still exists, it kind of turned into a giant catastrophe, but uh, there was a message board called the Scoundrel Art Forums, I think it was. Um, so just going into sketch cards, because I did a little bit for, um, Brigent Manufacturing before Tops, and uh, you know there was a very healthy community of all the sketch card artists at the time. Um, you know, just sharing everything they knew on there, uh, and you know, I, I reached out to. Um, I can't remember if I threw something broad out there, but I ended up uh, getting connected with Leah Mang. I hope I'm saying her name right. Um, she was a pretty big artist uh back at the time on a lot of the star wars lord of the rings all that stuff i don't think she really does it much anymore um but you know she kind of kind of shuffled me in the right direction i you know it's not really proper etiquette to just give somebody's information or email address out so she kind of like oh you know maybe you should look over here that's generally where you know you can find information and um it was a uh she pointed me towards i guess the blogs on the star wars.com website Right. And uh, the art director at Tops at the time 
had maybe one or two blogs posted and she was like, yeah, this is the guy you should reach out to. So, um, that's what happened. I, uh, reached out to him. Guy's name was Dave. Uh, I think he's still at tops, but he's, he's not involved in any of this stuff anymore. And, um, you know, he's like, he replied right away. Yeah, sounds great. Send me some samples, which I did immediately. And then it was silence for <laughs> months. And, you know, I was at the point where, you know, man, I really want to do this stuff, but I don't want to come across as, you know, being a pain in the butt. So I would let it go for, honestly, it was, it was a couple months before I reached out again. And, and, you know, I, within this time I had seen some of the other sets they were working on sets that were coming out. So I would make more samples, um, you know, based on, you know, the properties that they were working on at the time. And, uh, same thing. I send it out, not hear anything back. And then I want to say it was a good, five to six months after that initial contact um i was at work and my wife uh called me up she's like hey you got a box here from (laughs) tops i'm like oh that's cool open it up see what it is and then she opened it up and was reading the um the collateral that was with it It said dear artist you know um basically we would like to welcome you to the uh the indiana jones masterwork masterpieces no indiana jones heritage card set um and they sent me 200 cards to work on but it just came completely out of the blue (laughs) i had no idea and um here i was getting shackled down to 200 cards and uh it wasn't quite star wars but indiana jones that's a pretty close second oh yeah so uh i was totally pumped about that and uh yeah that was my first set with tops what uh what kind of time frame did you have on those honestly i don't remember it had to be a good I want to say maybe eight weeks. Their their timelines vary. Um, you hear from some people, you know, they want them turned around in two weeks. Sometimes they want two months. Uh, I, I don't remember. 200 cards, I don't remember driving myself crazy over it. So I probably had about two months to work on them. And that had to be something, I mean, you had been doing samples of it but when you're mass producing something at a two and a half by three and a half that had to kind of really you know you're you're developing a workflow as you're doing it i can imagine yeah and that's you know something i've been able to streamline over the years back then it was kind of well i'll go back a little bit my first experience was a set with uh, bryant manufacturing it was based on old uh, hollywood movie posters and stuff and the, the horrible thing about that was it was the repeat a sketch time where they wanted you to draw an image and then draw it multiple times. Oh, wow. And, you know, so there was maybe a, a, a bank of 10 to 15, oh, maybe even been more uh, movie posters that we could draw from. Uh, but, you know, when we did it, they had to approve that image. And once that image was approved, you had to do it over and over and over again. So, oh, wow. the, and again, I think I did around 200 cards for that. It was not fun. It was a slog. <laughs> it was a chore. But you know, I was working on trading cards, and you know, I, I couldn't, I couldn't knock it. Um, so, uh, so yeah. By the time I was working on the Indiana Jones cards, I didn't really know how I wanted to approach it. So some of the cards I did were just in pencils, black and white. Some were in color. I kind of just did a big mix of things, only because I didn't know what to do with it, and it was mainly a lot of uh, seeing what was already out there. And a lot of artists, especially back then, you know, a sketch card was just that, a sketch. It was very simple, um, you know, not a whole lot to it. A few artists were doing color, you know, 
very, very few were doing, you know, beautiful little, little images. Um, right. But, you know, I, I tried to like just pull in, I guess, a little bit of everything I was seeing out there. And uh, so, I mean, if you look at that set, uh, uh, my cards as a body of work, um, it's a little all over the place just because I didn't know where to go with it. Um, but, you know, ever since then, I, I try to, um, when I'm working on a set, I don't like to do the same thing twice. So I, I get a little bored with that. Every time I get a new set, I'm thinking, okay, well, how am I going to approach this one? And then, you know, I'll do every card in that set a certain way, whether it's all in black and white pencils, all in black and white paints, all in color paints. You know, I just want to do these types of characters, stuff like that. And uh, doing it like that does help streamline things a little bit, especially when, you know, I am working on them. I, I try to do them uh, almost assembly line. So, you know, if I'm doing pencils first, I'll lay them out, you know, across the board. Then I'll add, you know, the inks all at once and then the colors all at once uh, it, versus, you know, taking one card, uh, you know, from start to finish in one sitting. And I'm um, certainly uh, certainly your studio has had to evolve over that time, especially at home where you may have been set up temporarily or taking over a spot. Now you're doing this more and more. How's the studio kind of come together? Well, I guess it evolved from the uh, the kitchen table to um, to the living room <laughs> on uh, some uh, TV trays. Yeah, I, I don't we don't have a very big house, so I don't really have a studio. Uh, it's kind of always been, you know, whatever's the most available space. And, um, you know, it got to the point where it was kind of taking over the kitchen table a little too much. Uh, so, you know, it was, where else do I go? And I kind of like, you know, I like being uh, around my family and stuff. So, you know, I'll, I'll pull up the TV tray in the living room while they're, you know, watching TV or hanging out. And then uh, I sit and work on there. You know, I've I've done stuff in the car traveling the places before <laughs> you know it, it was kind of like you know wherever you are if you can get them done that that's your uh, that's your studio how do you um how do you kind of siphon your time you have a day job and then i'm certain i'm certain that the, the sketch cards started to come probably pretty hard and heavy after a certain point how did you kind of find that balance it's it's really tough uh and i don't know that i've ever truly found that balance um you know, because like I said, I got the day job, um, you know, come home, got a family, you know, my daughter. And, uh, you know, a lot of times it's basically, you know, once she's in bed is when, you know, I'll, I'll start to work on that stuff. And it'll it always goes late. And, you know, you don't want it to. But, you know, many, many nights you're up till two, two thirty, three o'clock um, just trying to bang them out. It's it's not fun. But, you know, it, it the end result makes it worth it what was some of the first star wars cards that you got to work on uh i think the first set i worked on was um galaxy four hmm. yeah i think that was it um and honestly i don't even remember what i did in it, it, it that sounds terrible i used to know i could remember every card i did everywhere and I, i've done so many over the years that you know i'll do a set six months ago it comes out and it was a complete blur and i don't even remember working <laughs> so now i mean i i think the how did you manage to keep the enthusiasm up for it i'm sure year one year two maybe even year three but you've been doing this a long time how do you kind of keep yourself psyched for yet another set or is it just this is the work 
Um, do you mean like Star Wars or just any sets in I general? I would say in general. Um, well, I mean, the biggest thing is working on different properties. And, and that's one thing that, you know, I, I don't mind doing is working on stuff that I, I'm not familiar with. You know, I will familiarize myself with it a little bit. Um, and, and it just that that kind of stuff keeps it fresh. You know, a lot of times, you know, for better or worse, the cards that the company send us, sometimes they don't accept inks at all. Sometimes it's like almost like drawn on a pane of glass. They're so glossy. And it's like, how am I going to work with this? So, you know, trying to find out what will work um, kind of keeps it interesting, too. So uh, there, there's ways to, to make it to make it fun. And what was it like? Have you ever you've have you ever pulled one of your own cards? <laughs> I have a, a few times actually. Uh, the one I think it was that very first set I worked on for Bridget, the movie posters. I had um, gotten a box, and sure enough, it had one of my cards in it. And oh I got to tell you, it's a really weird feeling because yes, I'm a card collector, and I was excited to pull my card because you know that that's just thrill of a lifetime, but. I didn't really want to collect it. It just, it was kind of weird. I'm like, I don't want my own cards. (laughs) So there was another collector online that I was friendly with. He loved it. So I just mailed it out to him and I was happy about that. Have you ever had a base card? Well, not in um, any of the big sets. I have done uh, base work for, um, for uh, Perna Studios. Uh, I did, um, I think it was a couple of Halloween sets for them. And that's right in my wheelhouse, you know, like in the, to draw monsters and stuff. Right. Uh, but yeah, the, um, the star Wars base card still eludes me. It's, yeah, you know, I got to say, you know, when the last galaxy set came out and it was announced, I was so excited. I'm like, Oh, here's my shot. Here's my chance. I can't wait. And, uh, I never got the call. Oh, so man. yeah, it was kind of a bummer, but you know, I'm sure they'll come out with more sets. Well, and, and as someone who has been, going back, you know, like Galaxy 18 was my first set that I've kind of been going back and mm. filling them in. They kind of become this, you know, virtual history of, of Star Wars art. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's been, it's been very, you know, like I, I, it's been an education, but it's also, you see at different times, I think the different mindsets, it's almost like, you know, I, I think that more than some of the other sets kind of tell you kind of what's going on in their heads at that particular time. Whereas when you get the earlier sets, you know, where you have the extended universe and then you have sort of the post Disney sets where it's a little more like the styles a little is a little different, but it is something to where, you know, like I think you said, it's something where it's like everybody kind of looks when they come out. And and I would and I would hope that Topps keeps doing this because at some point it's you hate to throw on words almost like a for lack of a better word, like a hall of fame, but it is something where it's like, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm established enough to have a base card. Uh, yeah. I, I think uh, I was going to say, um, a, a lot of the earlier galaxy sets, I think they were mostly pre-existing artwork. I don't know that they went out and really commissioned anything specifically for those sets. Um, but you know, fast forward to the last, um, galaxy set and it was comprised mainly of, the sketch card artists right. that they've been working with over the years. Um, so, you know, it, that's definitely been a progression. And, you know, when they have their stable of, when they have their stable of different sets they work on from like say masterworks to high tech to some of these, um, I, I think as yourself, you really, you want to encourage them to do, you know, keep doing the galaxy sets because that, that really brings a focus on what you guys do. Um, especially yeah, considering, 
that a lot of times you guys only show up in the hobby sets. Yeah. Yeah, there was a time where um, they were doing uh, a lot of retail exclusive stuff uh, in the Star Wars world anyway, where, you know, um, some of the retail packs were only going into Target stores. So they wanted you to do those cards um, in red. Uh, I don't know that they ever did it that specifically with other things. I know, you know, a lot of retail sets hitting a sketch card the odds are astronomical but i don't think they they put them um specifically in the retail sets uh it's just you know they, they take i guess from the the whole bank of cards that they send in and most go to hobby some go to retail yeah i've seen it especially recently where you know it's like even in this last one i think skywalker saga where there was um there was a chance to pick up a sketch card, and there, there's like I said, I've seen sets in retail that there's been a, there's been a a chance too, but it seems like a lot more the retail, at least over the last few years, has been more like, hey, get a medallion or get a patch, whereas the hobby mm-hmm. cards have seen most of the sketches, and so I think you know, I, I think as a sketch card artist, you're like, hey, I want to make sure I get out there because. You know, the hobbyist will know who I am, but my my audience of, you know, my future, my future audience will be ones that kind of pick my card out of a blaster box or maybe, you know, Mm -hmm. something along those lines. At any given year, has the number of sets you've worked on, you know, has there been years that you've worked on more or less? How's it kind of settled down? Um, Well, I just... I just banged out a few sets. Sometimes it's feast or famine. You know, I will go honestly, sometimes months without getting contacted for a set. And then all of a sudden it's bam, bam, bam. You know, we got this set, you know, I agree to it. And then a week later, Hey, it's this set. I'm like, yeah, okay. Maybe I can do a few of those. And then another week, Hey, we got this other set. It's like, okay guys, (laughs) slow down a little bit. Um, so yeah, it, it ebbs and flows. As far as some of the star Wars, what have been some of the sets that you've enjoyed working on the most? I, I mean, Galaxy Four. Like I said, even though I can't remember working on them, it was just a thrill at the time to finally be able to say yes, I'm I'm a Lucasfilm approved artist and I'm working on Star Wars cards. Um, but I think more recently, the cards I've been doing, I've been having more fun with, only because, like I said, I've been kind of uh, approaching the sets uh, with a new angle every time. So. Uh, you know, when I get the cards, I'm like, okay, I'm going to do it this way. And I do kind of get myself excited over it. Uh, the um, last few that I did, um, so, so I did a lot of themes. I think um, one of the, the Chrome sets, I did nothing but Jedi. You know, everything from Obi-Wan to Stassily, uh, you know, to the guy that looks like a Q-tip. Uh, anybody <laughs> who's a Jedi is what I drew. The next Chrome set, I did all droids. So I got to tell you, there's a lot of droids out there. I mean, and I don't really watch the cartoons, but I was diving deep into um, the Clone Wars and stuff just to find more droids to draw. Uh, the um, most recently, I, I guess the coolest thing I, I think I've done recently was not last year's masterwork, but I believe it was the year before um, I did nothing but Yoda and it was all single pose. But I challenged myself. I think I did 30 cards, maybe 40. Um, but I challenged myself to do each card of Yoda in a different style. Oh. Um, so, you know, and it kind of harkened back to, you know, the Indiana Jones where I did everything from pencils to markers. You know, I did this. So, you know, it's just a picture of Yoda hanging out on Dagobah. 
Um, but you know, I did some in pencil, some in inks, then some in paint. And then, you know, when I got to the paints, I did some in the style of Van Gogh and I did one in the style of, um, like ancient Japanese, <laughs> you know, stuff. I, I just, I, I had a lot of fun with that. And, uh, I might as well tell you, I know, I guess at some point I'll share it, but I did the, what I think was the coolest card I ever did, uh, in that set, which of course got rejected. And I kind of thought it would but hey you know if you don't push the envelope you know you don't get to do, to do fun stuff um i did one card where i cut up a dollar bill since it's green and uh i pasted it on there and formed you know that <laughs> image of yoda out of this dollar bill and uh it was like the coolest thing i had done that's and cool. uh, naturally it, out of all my cards that's the one that got rejected which was a bummer <laughs> but uh i i have to imagine it's hanging up on the wall of some tops employee yeah i don't think someone would have just let that slide to go hey look you know you have to think of, there, there's got to be a wall wall of rejection somewhere that goes okay this is actually pretty mm-hmm. cool um yeah because before that you know you had guys like john sukup um who would do you know uh, he would cut up paper and do collages on the cars and stuff so creative and uh They've kind of gotten away from that. I hate to say it since, you know, the Disney acquisition. It just seemed like they kind of shifted from, you know, hey, everybody can have fun with it, you know, within reason, you know, as long as it's not offensive. Uh, But, you know, the creativity was just off the charts with what a lot of these guys were doing. And, um, you know, they they kind of got – they've honestly stymied themselves um, by just – they want photorealistic art. Which is great and all, and you know, for the collectors that are reselling it, you know, and that there's nothing better than a, a Luke Skywalker card that looks like a mini, you know, masterpiece. Right. Um, you know, you know, as far as you know, being worth something. Uh, but you know, you, you you lose a lot of that fun, and, and unfortunately, artists uh, like John, you know, they've kind of just fallen by the wayside, and I, I just, I, I, I think that's a mistake, but. Yeah. Well, it is also interesting that, you know, I think a lot of it may be based on the company, but also the art directors as well. I think I think these things do tend to go in phases. Mm-hmm. Uh, we may we we very well are in into this particular phase where the photorealism is there. Um, yeah. But I, you know, going back and that's why I think going in and seeing some of this artwork, you have to think at some point these things kind of move around. And especially when you're getting into you know, we're getting past the Skywalker saga movies and we're going into kind of like the television shows and, and you know, it's seeming like a little bit of unknown territory. Um, I, th- I think you have to kind of hope that we're kind of maybe going a little bit back to the Wild West. We're like, OK, hey, we've done all these years of, of Luke Skywalker. Now there's, you know, there's new heroes, there's new vill- villains, there's new monsters. And I, I think that, you know, if if they kind of see that as sort of an opportunity to go, hey, we can really kind of maybe go back and, and, and you're going to have to attract, you know, an audience again, where maybe like right now you're getting the nostalgia of the of, mm-hmm. the, of the older collectors, but you've got to somehow woo these new collectors and they may not have like, you know, that, yeah, there, there's these Poe's, but you could have a Poe that, you know, it comes from a different place. You know, hopefully yeah. we'll kind of see this to where it kind of gets back to maybe a, hey, we can kind of take some risks because, we're trying to now appeal to an audience that is no longer a given, I would say. Yeah. And, you know, I will say, I, I think since, you know, the Disney acquisition, it was very strict at first. Um, from what I've been seeing out there, they've gotten a little bit looser um, with the artists they've been bringing on, which which I think is great. Uh, but, you know, it, it's kind of 
weird to think, you know, that yes, Disney owns it, but Lucasfilm is really still its own entity that, um, a company that was built on and thrived on creativity and thinking outside the box, um, is telling artists to not be creative. A little weird. Exactly. Yeah. And like I said, I think you have to, you have to hope that at some point this does sort of, you know, like, Hey, you want to get out of that box because now, you know, like just with the movies, maybe going into TV shows now, we all kind of have to think differently a little bit and we're going to get star Wars in a way we've never gotten it before. And yeah. Uh, and, and it's weird. Cause like, you know, you see outside of the trading cards, um, cause like I, I went to celebration last year in, in Chicago or was it this year? No, it was earlier this year. This year. And, yeah. um, yeah. And you know, you look at the artists that they had on board for the art show and some of the pieces they created were just, you know, very stylized, very outside, you know, the, the um, you know, straight up portraiture. And uh, it was really cool. So it seems like everywhere else they allow artists <laughs> to kind of have a little bit of freedom and do some fun. But for some reason with the trading cards, uh, you know, they want things, they want things uh, very specific. Interesting. And I'm, I'm sure you have seen that. You, you, you know, you sort of, because you deal with so many different properties, um, it, it's really got to, sometimes you just almost got to kind of turn your head one way to, you know, mm-hmm. to work on, on, on stuff for upper deck to, to, to you turn this way to, to work for tops. This way you work for say a cryptozoic. And, and yeah. so it's really got to, sometimes you almost got to have to kind of do a, do a reset and then go, Oh yeah, I'm working on this again. And I, yeah, I, I mean, what, you know, when you're doing that stuff, you know, it's always in the back of my mind, you know, I got to have a reasonable likeness. And uh, it's kind of just the way I work anyway. Uh, but, you know, once in a while, you still want to you want to have some fun with it and exactly. do something, you know, a little unconventional. Exactly. Now, speaking of cons, how often are you able to get out as a just a patron or as an artist? Uh, well, as far as, hmm, uh, you know, when I was younger, you know, I hit all the baseball card shows. They kind of went away. Uh, they're very, very few and far between. Uh you know, now it seems like it's all Wizard World, you know, comic book conventions, um, which don't even revolve around comic books anymore. Uh, but, you know, once or twice a year, I, I like to get out to that kind of stuff. The uh, the Philly show that's out in Allentown, bizarre. Uh, you know, I, I'll go there every time because it's only like a little over an hour drive for me. It's close enough. And, uh, you know, I've gotten really friendly with everybody that um, attends there or runs it. Um, so it, it's always I always make it a point to go out there. Uh, the other stuff, you know, Chicago uh, celebration, that was uh, kind of, you know, the pieces fell uh, in the right places. And I was able to go. I went out with my cousin. His cousin flew out from California. Uh, so the three of us had a good time out there. Nice. Uh, but other than that, it's you know, it's really tough. And honestly, a lot of it comes down to it costing too much. I mean, you know, they still have Wizard World Philly, which is near the nearest uh, show to me. But I think to get in, even on Thursday and Sunday, which are the, the slower days, they still want $55, $60. Hmm. I think New York might be 75 It's just, it's so, it's cost prohibitive. And uh, I don't get to go to as many as I used to. I'm a, I'm a really big horror fan, horror movies and stuff. Uh, so I, I tend to go to a lot of horror conventions. Um, they they tend to be a little more reasonable. Granted, once you're in there, the celebrities want you know an arm and a leg for their autograph. But you know, just getting to go to that stuff, you know, it's twenty bucks. You go there, you get to hang out for a day, see lots of cool stuff. Um, it, that that seems to be 
more towards where I'm, I'm going this stuff. I would love, love, love to go to more comic conventions. It's just, it, it's, it's costly. Now, how, how many have you gone out to where you were actually had a booth and had yourself set up? Um, well, the, uh, the Philly non-sports show, uh, I've been there, I think I've set up there five times. Um, I'll be there again uh, this October. Uh, that should make six. Uh, I did a Wizard World in Philly one time, and I, truthfully, that was because they offered me a free table. <laughs> I, uh, I got an email out of absolutely nowhere. Hey, artist, uh, you know, we'd like to offer you a free table. And, you know, for me, it's literally right over the bridge. How can I say no to a free table? Right. Um, so, you know, I did that. Um, I did do one show out in Chicago. So it, it's, it's sporadic. You know, um, doing shows isn't really... Uh, my thing, but you know the 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 Philly show. You know, every time they ask me, I I of course I say yes. I love going there. What do you find is sort of your biggest seller? Uh, hmm. You know, it's weird. Like when you go to these conventions, a lot of artists say uh, the prints are what sells. You know, you gotta have prints. Prints are what sells. And so when I did the Wizard convention, you know. I, sketch cards and comic books they're kind of two different worlds and i didn't want to you know be out there with all my cards and people are looking going what the heck is this so <laughs> you know i made it a point to get a whole bunch of prints made up and uh found that you know once i did the show trading cards were the things i sold the most of uh and you know there weren't many people selling cards so maybe that was a good thing uh but you know it's uh it's a real mix of stuff i'm not I'm not really a big fan of selling prints anyway. I collect them. I've got a good amount. But as far as myself, I don't really uh, get into making prints of my stuff. I, I like putting original stuff out there. So I always make it a point to um, basically cram before I do any show and uh, put together all kinds of original stuff to bring with me. Um, and, uh, yeah, so I, I would say the originals are always the best for me. Nice. Now, you also have some artwork coming up in a Stranger Things book. Could you talk about that? Yeah. Uh, so there's this company called uh, Printed in Blood, uh, which is great to my horror likings. Uh, they put out a, um, an art book, I think it was last year, uh, based around the, uh, the John Carpenter's The Thing uh, movie from 82. And uh, it was, it, it's this beautiful hardcover um, coffee table book loaded with uh artwork that they you know they um they called from all around the world and uh so you know just seeing that i didn't find out about it until it was well past you know getting involved in it uh but you know i got the book it's amazing so i immediately reached out to the company said, hey you know keep me in mind if there's anything else coming up um and they've got a few things in the works but yes they have announced they're doing a uh, stranger things book it's due out in october uh i want to say that 15th right around the middle of the month um and uh yeah it should be just like that thing book where you know it's i want to say there's two to 250 pages in it and it's just loaded with artwork nice. and it, it's just amazing and i'm really excited to be part of it that's cool that's cool yeah, yeah. I, I think you have to you would you admit that diversity is your friend when it comes to you know someone in your line of work is that you always have something out there and you have to kind of be thinking, it's like, hey, today it's cards, tomorrow it's an illustration for a book. You know, it may be prints, it may be a show. And that's how you yeah. keep it kind of going. Yeah, and I got to tell you, it's 
you know, with, I guess, technology and the social world being the way it is, it's a lot easier now to find out about all these different opportunities that are out there. Like, I mean, I subscribe to an email service that regularly sends out emails with lots of, you know, art submission things. Not that I ever have time to do them, um, but it's good knowing that that stuff's there. And, uh, you know, you get to you get to really play around with a lot of different things when you do that stuff. Like I did one thing, um, and I just heard about it on a whim with the uh, the Philadelphia Phillies, the baseball team. Uh, they were doing a uh, project which was um, it was called the Fanatic Around Town, and they wanted artists to submit uh, ideas for uh, how they would paint a uh, sculpture of the the mascot, the Philly Fanatic. Uh, you know, you see them in a lot of major cities. Right. Uh, they'll put statues all around, done by different local artists. And uh, I was lucky enough to get picked for that. And it was one of the coolest things <laughs> I've ever done. Um, it just, I, I can't even describe it. It was so outside of anything I'd ever done prior to or since. And uh, it was an awesome experience. And, uh, you know, that that's the kind of stuff that you don't always know that it's out there. You, you kind of have to look for it because you get stuck in this little bubble of sketch cards, sketch cards, sketch cards. And sometimes that's all you think about. Um, but I mean, if you, if you're creative and you can make art, I mean, you can apply it so many different places. And I think you have to be to point this point in your career where you can kind of pick and choose a little bit and you don't have to feel like, Hey, even if this opportunity goes, or I may not have to pick this up, I can do it because I still, you know, you're, you're making a bit of, a little bit of bank on it, but you're still enjoying it. Sure. And honestly, that's the, the main reason I do it is that i i enjoy it i wouldn't do it if i didn't enjoy it the money i'm not gonna knock it it's great when i sell something uh but that's 99 percent of the time not the reason why i'm doing it um right. you know sometimes times are tough and you know that you need to make something so that way you can get it that extra little paycheck uh but yeah it, it's 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 just fun getting to make something exactly now how are you reaching your audience or, you know, what, what, uh, what, what part of the socials are you kind of working with at this point? Uh, well, I'm really terrible at that. <laughs> uh, yeah, I've got a Facebook page, which is mostly personal stuff. That seems to be where I'll dump most of my artwork, especially once it just comes out. Uh, I will make my art stuff all public. So, you know, if you search me out on Facebook and find me, um, even if we're not Facebook friends, you can still dig through a lot of my artwork. Uh, I have a DeviantArt website, which is, you know, when I was first doing it, I was updating it every day, putting all kinds of stuff on there. And now I'm lucky if I check it every three months. Uh, it's just I don't have the time for it, honestly. Twitter, I have a Twitter account. I use it to enter contests. I don't really understand <laughs> how to use it or, you know, utilize it. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm really, really not good at it. I do um, typically w when I um, do these card shows, uh, where I'm appearing at, I will make a, um, a promo card for myself. Um, it's just kind of a fun thing. And I've been theming them around, you know, I guess all-time great card sets. So, like, the first promo card I did was um, based on the Mars Attacks. So I, I recreate the layout. I'll, you know, make a painting or the image will have myself in there somewhere. Um, you know, I did a Pokemon card where I put my face on Pikachu, um, I did Marvel masterpieces where my head was on the Hulk's body. Uh, so, you know, I, and those kind of things, I think, um, 
are really great promotional items. Uh, and it's, you know, it's kind of cool. It's weird because, you know, I do them to give out. I, I like right. to just promote that way. Uh, it's, it's a little, I'm not going to lie. It's cool when they show up on eBay, but at the same time, I, I'm kind of feeling like, ah, oh, when I see them sell, I'm like, you could have just contacted me and, <laughs> you know, if you sent me a stamp, I would have mailed you one, you know, as long as I still have them. Um, so, you know, I, I like to, to get that, get stuff out that way. Right, right. Now, if someone does want to reach out to you, how, how is the best way? Um, well, I mean, if you go on Facebook, find me. Thankfully, there's not too many Dasics in the world, so <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm pretty easy to find if you just type in my last name, I guess. Uh, you can send me a message there. I'll uh, find that. Uh, you know, you can check out my DeviantArt page. It's tdastic.deviantart.com. Um, I don't check that a whole lot. Uh, you can email me at tedstoons at yahoo.com. Um, and that, that's really it. You know, if you can find me on social and you've you got something to say to me, you can just send me a message. I'm, I'm pretty easy to find. Nice. Nice. Well, tell you what, this has been a, uh, this has been a enjoyable conversation. Uh, been really great. I really appreciate your time. Uh, anything else we missed before we uh, cut it loose for today? Um, nothing uh, I can think of. I guess this is hardly going to date this show, but uh, I'm really looking forward to uh, the Rise of Skywalker. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. This will definitely be out before the Rise of Skywalker. Um, <laughs> but yes, you will be at the uh, this Philly uh, the Philly non-sports card show. This is what, October 19th and 20, 20th in Allentown, Pennsylvania. So yes. if you are in the area, uh, definitely come by and check it out. Um, and if someone actually did mention the podcast that they heard you on the podcast, I definitely want to hear about it. Um, that will be at least... Oh, and you will. That will be one person. But at any rate, Ted, once again, thank you very much and uh, appreciate your time, man. All right. Thanks a lot, Greg. Once again, my thanks to Ted Dastic Jr. for being on the program tonight. It was a real treat to get a chance to talk with him. And if you are in the Allentown area in the next couple of weeks and you're going to that Philly non-sports card show, check him out. That'll be Saturday and Sunday, October 19th to 20th at the Merchant Square Mall. Sounds like a lot of fun. Wish I was over there. Anyway, if you have any feedback for tonight's episode, good, bad, or otherwise, you can put a comment on the IG post, the Instagram post for this episode, or you can DM me direct on Instagram. You can also email me at greg at rebelbasecard.com. You can also catch me on Twitter at cornfedtech. Sorry, that's the old blog Twitter account. I didn't want to necessarily blow it up. Uh, you can also find me on the Facebook page. That is, you can just search for Rebel Base Card on Facebook. If you are a sketch card artist or a Star Wars artist or a Star Wars collector and you want to talk about your art or collection, you can DM me or email me at the ones I just talked about. Let's see if we can set something up. Otherwise, hope you guys enjoyed tonight's episode and we'll talk to you next time. The music for this podcast is brought to you under a Creative Commons license from Trent Reznor and Nine Inch Nails. This is Discipline off the album The Slip. This podcast is not affiliated in any way with Topps, Disney, or Star Wars, nor is it endorsed by Disney or Lucasfilm, and is intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. All names and sounds, and any other related items, are properties of their respective trademarks and or copyright holders here in the U.S. and abroad. The official Star Wars website can be found at www.starwars.com.